so this crooked fuck Louie decides, you know, people are dying. The death tolls are 10,000. So, you know. So what we need as a people right now <laughs> is the healing presence of Louis C.K.'s stand-up in 2020. And he did, and he fucking did. He healed a nation over 59 minutes. Uh, yep. I, well, no, not really. I mean, I'll tell you this. I did see it. I didn't pay for it. Feel really good about that morally. Um, but you listened to it. You listened to like a, a free version. Yes, I listened how, to it. How was it? It was well. I'll tell you something that's not even about this, and this is going to make you feel really bad. I, I, like I just have to let you know. <laughs> like, I got to put that on front street. I just sat back in my chair. I'm like, I'm ready. <laughs> no, because I got to put that on front street because the more, like, I just realized that this is the runway, right? Mm. And, like, the liftoff is, like, getting to the thing I'm going to tell you. But there really is no good way to tell you this without mm. you somehow being shitty about it. And I understand. So be offended, but try not to be. Wait, you really is, liked it and it was funny? Oh, no, no. Way worse than that, which is oh. I was watching it and there's this moment where he makes a really bad joke. And then he makes a face. And oh. I look over at Dolores and I'm like, you know, Dolores, I really hate to fucking say this, but like, Louis kind of looks like what Max will look like in 30 years. And then she looked over at me and was like, I swear to fucking Christ, I just thought that same thing. And we had to pause the special and laugh out loud for six minutes. And it made me feel so bad because I'm like, yeah, here's the best thing about that. There's no way he's going to find that funny. Like even now as I'm telling it, it's even more funny to me. And you're angry that I made that. And it's incredible. I just, I could have gone the rest of my life without knowing that fact, even if it's true, you know, um, no, it was just because he's he's like he's cut off the hair. He has no pretense of you know what I'm saying. And it's like he and it was just like he even has facial hair that kind of looks like your facial hair. And I was just like, I don't know if you widen Max a little bit, you add like 40 pounds on him. Like yeah, Louis. Like and I felt really bad for saying. It. <laughs> no, I mean no. Uh, people have actually said that to me before. So you're not oh, okay. I'm not a bad person then. Great. Yeah, Morgan said that. She's like, you look like Louis C.K. if he was young. And I was like, fucking thank you. All right. See, she did it without any remorse. I came in with like a thousand prefaces. <laughs> My God, man. Uh, yeah, but so, all right, the content of the special. Let's, let's get into that if you don't mind. Which is like, listen, we may have this thought of him now, but uh, I think it's really interesting about Louis C.K. in general, which is before all this fucking blew up, I think that he had kind of gotten to summits that few comedians had. I think he was considered like this generation's Carlin. Uh, and yeah. beyond just the stand-up, his TV show was like, holy shit, wonderful at times. Like the yeah. peaks of that show are some of the most like incredible the, things. Think about like how many comics after him were like, now I want a TV show. Like Mark Marin did it and it was like basically the same shit. And that other Australian <laughs> did it. And it was like, all right, this guy, this guy was the first. He's a pioneer. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. It's like, I like, I like legit, which is the Jim Jeffrey show. And I like, uh, I liked Marin, but like the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, yeah, I'm watching this because there's not any more Louie. Like, let's be perfectly clear. Like what he right. was doing was mixing, not just like the fictionalized version of his life, but then doing really weird fucking art in the middle of it right. for no reason. Some like Woody Allen or David Lynch inspired short films, basically. Yeah, movie, man. Which was great. And then that's the thing. So like, you know, now we're all like, fuck Louie and rightfully so. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be, but I think it's interesting that like, holy shit, at one point it seemed like that guy could do no wrong. So yeah. when he came back uh, like a little bit last year, he came back making Parkland survivor jokes or whatever, which is, you know, as one is one to do, you know, like uh, it's not, if they want to not be mentioned, there shouldn't be so many school shootings. You know what I mean? I yeah, firmly really blame the here. Yeah. 
Like, look, you go out there and you advocate against gun violence, you're going to incite more gun violence. This is an Ouroboros, and you knew that, all right? You go through a school shooting back in my day, you kept your head down. Right. You didn't say anything about it. You went about your business. And you went back to school the next day. Kids think they are. I don't know. This fucking generation, man. They're just, they handle your shit. You know, school shootings are supposed to be normal for you. Like, you grew up in the internet age, okay? Like, I remember Columbine, you fucks. (laughs) That's all I'm saying. Everybody has a voice and an opinion now. Oh, I need to be represented. Like, get out of here. Listen, I'm I'm not a gun guy, but, like, that swerved me just a little bit right there. No, no, aside from the Parkland survivor bullshit, um, he came back, and what I didn't like immediately was, like, his only real addressing of the situation was, anyone else have a bad year? Yeah, like, oh, you think you had a bad year? Try taking a walk in my shit. And that, yeah, just that that takeaway or that vibe was just so... Uh, well, and here's the thing. It starts off the same, so I'm immediately like, uh... And then here's the thing. He's Louis C.K., and he is one of the funniest fucking comedians out there who will find a way to find whatever that line is and smash through it. The yeah. difference is that back when we thought he was a like totally innocent, good dude, like you, you were a little bit more forgiving of that. Right. Uh, there's a there's like a couple jokes here like he does like an asian accent like much like Chappelle did in the last special where people are like is that racist and i'm like well Chappelle's got his wife is asian maybe maybe he's blanketed into that somehow uh but i was like all right who's louis dating a fucking french woman god damn it like so i, I didn't have that built-in thing but he purposely and he does this brilliant joke about like it's actually i think more racist if you don't respond back in their in their syntax or whatever and i'm like god damn it like this guy is still that really sharp you know he's got the wit and stuff like that but the problem is that i don't have as much goodwill with it anymore (laughs) so uh go ahead Uh, i got another point but i want to hear what you have oh no it's just i remember back when he was still doing louis and he did that episode where he like forces himself on pamela adlon or whatever and it's like we all at the time collectively were just like oh yeah it's louis it's fine he's making a comment on how weird it is that dudes do that. But then looking at it through the lens of, oh, this guy used to habitually kind of do something similar to women. Right. Uh, and it was like this unspoken thing for years and years. It's like it, it got grosser in hindsight. And just, yeah, just more more so the vibe of like, oh, I'm Louis, I'm a victim here. Uh, if he had gone out and said, hey, you know, I, I did this really fucked up thing when I was younger and I've grown as a person now, but I like sincerely apologize and never said anything in terms of like, oh, woe is me. Like, I, I, I would be more willing to, you know, listen to the guy. Like, he's a funny dude. Like, it's, it's undeniable. Like, he is still a funny guy. Um, it's just sort of like, I don't want to engage with it anymore, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and so the weird thing is like, the, it, when he actually does address it, it definitely feels more like it's about the Aziz situation. It, obviously, it's applicable to him as well. But mm-hmm. like, I guess the question is, when, when you ever have these kind of like topics, is are they going and they approaching it in a respectful way or in a way of mockery? And I don't think right. he's mocking anyone, but I also don't think he's necessarily like taking real responsibility either. Yeah, I've never heard him take responsibility for really anything. So... I don't know that that's sort of like it, it gets shittier after these revelations come out about him like before it was like yeah he's got nothing to be sorry for but now he's just so unapologetic about everything and like he talks around the edges of it and like turns it into a bit 
instead of just like you look at like what Harmon did with the Megan Gann situation, that's still like my favorite Me Too. Not to like rank my Me Too era. <laughs> Max McCarty's top five Me Too movements. But no, he just like straight up. It, it was almost like self-flagellation on stage. Like for ten yeah. straight minutes, he just like listed all the ways in which he fucked up and all the power dynamics and everything, and never made excuses for himself. And it was like, okay, yeah, like we can we can move on now. Awesome. Well, it, that that speech is the single reason that I don't cancel him in my life, and I don't mean like cancel culture. Everyone's canceled. I just mean like I don't know. Like I don't love Rick and Morty, and you know, yeah. like. Sometimes it's the, the fandom is not worth the trouble, but you see an apology like that and it really seems sincere and genuine. You're like, all right, people fuck up, man. Like you actually owned up to it and that's refreshing. He doesn't. The one thing he says about this, and again, it makes it about himself. He says, right. uh, everyone knows my thing and everyone has a thing. Think about that. Everyone has a thing and you're so lucky that no one knows yours, but everyone knows mine. And I'm like this, I mean, I feel you dude, but, also like no it's not about you like i right. i completely get that but i don't know it's it's funny it really is funny he's a funny dude like no one's gonna yeah. take that away from him and, I, and i'm not mad that he's out there like the people who are like he should never leave the house again fuck yourself right. i hate that yeah he's not harvey weinstein like there are degrees to this thing right well, and what I said is like Aziz seems, and by the way, like the Aziz situation seems a little bit more outwardly grody to me, okay? Mm -hmm. Because I've been in situations where like, of course, there's nonverbal cues, dude. Like, sure. you know, if someone's not into something, if you don't, you're kind of neo-rapist. I don't know, like neo-rapist. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> They're the new rapist. They rape, but they don't know. <laughs> like there are different eras of rape. <laughs> it's more or less... There was the legitimate rape error that lasted for two days. Uh, you better not make that the fucking title. It's going to be the title, obviously. No, I've been trying to get a rape in the title forever, and you've never sanctioned it. You succeeded twice, and I didn't like it either time. Oh, Lord. Uh, where were we before rape derailed everything? <laughs> you were talking about how Aziz Ansari is a neo-rapist. I mean, a little bit. I mean, what I'm saying is like there are nonverbal cues. For me, that seems a lot creepier. But the same can be said about the Louis thing. Don't get me wrong. But like, like the, from what I understand, there wasn't like Louis wasn't touching them, didn't come on them wasn't really like near like and it's still fucking gross but it's not rape and it's not like not reading a fucking sign dude and yeah. so it seems like aziz got off or, like, or no acknowledging or acknowledging like the power that the power dynamic there because these were young like female comics who were sort of opening for him right wasn't right. that like real at the time yeah. yeah so it's like and there have been like different situations that weren't maybe as sexual but it's like still abuses of power that you see all over the place like even Joss Whedon, I think, had a thing where it was like he was hitting on like female writers or whatever, or like trying to act helpful, but it was really just about like. What if know. Joss Whedon hit on all writers, female, male, male all the other ones? <laughs> I walked into like a B three moment immediately. <laughs> it was like I'm gonna offend everybody. I don't know, and like that's just ignorance again. I don't know what anything is or what it is, and I'm so scared of saying the wrong thing because <laughs> intentions don't matter anymore, man. You get lumped in, you know. Are, are, are you scared of saying the wrong thing? I mean, not days? mean personally. No, I don't really give a shit. But but I do want to be sensitive. My point is this: that I do think intentions matter to people who are like 
thoughtful. You know what I mean? Like intentions do matter. If you fuck up and say something that's considered like offensive, like because of your ignorance, there's that's a teachable moment. You know what I mean? So like I always try to approach it like that as, instead of admonishing people immediately. But in the grand scheme of the world, oh my God, no one cares what your intentions are. <laughs> like they will crucify you. So I just got to be really careful because I said male, female, which I feel like immediately is already offensive. Like because I, I went binary first and then third fourth fifth and sixth seven things whatever else i mean however many things there are that's how many i'm saying interesting nailed that's it a lot of- <laughs> nailed it <laughs> not if you have to say it <laughs> not if you have to say it um yeah i think you're just overthinking it bubby you know uh it is it is a complicated uh, world that is ever changing the language is always changing too i think the best thing that we can do and i think that most sane people will accept if you make the effort, like you said, intentions matter. And if you make an effort to talk to people that are different from you, mm-hmm. you know, not even just across cultural lines, but gender lines or, you know, especially like the LGBT community, which is ever evolving now. And like, how many trans people have you actually talked to? Like, that's, that's not really something you can speak to right. or not something that you can understand until, you know, people are less of an other to you. Yeah, like, isn't that fucking weird? Because I remember being in high school, one of my best friends was this guy named Matthew. I don't want to say his last name in case, like, he hates me now. I don't know how high school friendships work. But, like, at the time, no, he, like, this is stupid. But it's like, I guess we all knew gay people growing up and stuff like that. But in terms of, like, oh, I hung out every day. We, you know, played guitar. We did all that shit. Um, It was, I was in, like, ninth grade or whatever. And it was really interesting that, like, at the time, that was, like, a big deal. It wasn't, like, like, um an inacknowledgeable big deal like i didn't be like oh my god you're gay we're friends no but thinking back on it now it was like this novelty thing you know what i mean and it it still gave me an experience to this world that otherwise i wouldn't have known you know what i mean so when it comes to any of these like other groups it's like the more representation and exposure and like more elbows that get rubbed post corona like yeah man let's let's get it you know We'll, we'll all get those experiences yeah, it's because uh, when I see people struggling like with the, the trans thing and it's like, look, that they were born a man. Like, what's the, what's the problem? They're a man, et cetera. It's like, why are you taking issue with it? Why are you putting this much energy and thought into it? And I would bet dollars to fucking donuts. You probably don't know any trans people. Right. And it's like, it's a lot easier for me to just be like, okay, I'll call you what you want me to call you. You identify as that and I accept that. Like, and then I move on with my life. Yeah. I'm not spending any emotional energy on it past that. You know, it's like, I don't, uh, I don't get the whole, uh, uh, hate thing. Could I be honest? I don't get why anyone hates anything because it, it it takes way more energy to be against something to then to be just like, and and here's the thing. It's a cheat sheet. People think you're selfless. Oh my God. He's so selfless. He's for the cause. No, I don't want to do anything. I'm just lazy. Yeah. Like, and so if your equality means I get to sit back and not protest your, your inequality, what? Like it's such a win-win situation. I don't understand why everyone isn't just pro everything. Well, wait, all right, hold on. (laughs) There's some scenarios I would have walked into. Nambla walks into the room. They enter the chat. They're Hi. like, "Hey, an ally! Finally!" That would be the worst way to get into Congress. Like, that's my Tea Party movement. That Nambla backs me up. <laughs> Look, I understand my constituents are very specifically into something, but they got deep pockets, and we're taking. We're gonna drain the swamp, Max. Oh God! Someone asked. Uh, well, I mean, I feel like, you know, Namble is already in there in one way or another. Look at that. Uh, what was it? Roy, Roy Moore? 
Roy Moore. Roy Moore. Yeah, That's that sounds weird. like a fake name. That motherfucker yeah. doesn't exist. You can't find any <laughs> info on him before 1971. I bet you. This alien fuck, this little gray boy. I am I'm on to him, man. You see him? No, hold on. To bring back a little gray boy sequel for a second. Like, do you yeah. remember when he ran for senator or whatever? He came in on the voting day on his horse, like in full cowboy garb. And that is some shit that reeks of an alien thinking that's how you blend in. You know what I mean? Yep. Much like our original like little watched a couple of American films, like from the 50s, and they're like, this is what Americans do. And this that's is- all they do. Yeah. <laughs> they just write up and they molest children. And you're like, whoa, the wrong oh. lessons were taken from the West. Like, what fucking movies did they watch? They watched, like, Sleepers and fucking <laughs> 310 to Yuma or something? That was They're it. Like, they nailed it. Information I need. They, yeah, they, I, would, I would think they watched Stagecoach and, like, The Woodsman with Kevin Bacon. You remember that little pedophile <laughs> yeah. movie he was in? <laughs> that that little pedophile movie. Yeah. Coming this fall. This little Man. pedophile film. Kevin Bacon. I thought that that was the point where Kevin Bacon was going to start like being taken seriously again if he ever was but instead he just didn't do anything after that like that was kind of the note he went out on he's done like some internet videos but that's about it what i feel like kevin bacon's had a whole career he's been doing some hbo movies he uh, he? he did one that was really good i can't remember the name but it was exactly. really good i rest my case <laughs> He was in, didn't he show up in the Footloose remake, like, as the mayor? That'd be awesome. He's Wait. like, full circle. <laughs> no, but come on. Like, 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 advanced. Well, it would be even better, honestly. If he was if the character. The character, <laughs> yes. and through the years, like, the years hardened him in disappointments or whatever, he became embittered, and then he turned into, like, a hardcore Baptist. It, it, it starts with a black fucking screen and white text. It's Mark Twain. It's like, when I was younger, me and my father fought, for he was so ignorant, and then when I grew old, I realized how agreeable he had become and then <laughs> the, the quote starts it's just like first right. frame is him and he's grizzled and old okay and he sees some punk kids dancing in the square and he's like right. god damn it matilda every day every goddamn he hears, day he hears the faint whisper of the footloose songs carrying on the wind. Loose, 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 loose. and he just like looks up you know who the fuck is playing that song Who's playing that music? He has it's a southern a, accent now. It's a smash cut. We're on the, with the cherry on top. The light is going. Woo, 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 and he jumps it's like into a dystopian America. He's like the sheriff and the mayor at the same time, walking down the <laughs> shotgun, just chasing down any boombox he can. Well, again, it. it's dystopia America, and he's just like, God damn it, dancing's all these kids have, Chief. Don't you understand? The bombs fell. We all got 15 years at best. He's like, there will be no dancing in my town. God damn it. He's taking this very seriously. It's against the word of God, and I am God. <laughs> Just killing children. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> but loose do. Because <laughs> that was the that was the misstep. Why a remake right. when the universe is so rich? <laughs> Sequel. Oh man, why didn't they make that movie? <laughs> yeah, we still can. Bacon's around, baby. Like we can do it. Bacon's around. <laughs> He's doing uh, nothing. He's doing internet videos. What I heard, he's free, yeah. man. In these Rona times, I mean, it would be easy to shoot because every every town in America looks like a ghost town. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I had nothing there because I'm like, ten thousand people are dead, so there's literally a ghost towns. Like that's incredible, man. Oh wow! Yeah. yeah. Well. Brought it you know, down. You know, up. It's really. 
you know what's really uh, appropriate uh, right now, like more than ever, is Brockmire this new season. I don't know if you're keeping up with it. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, like, because when I heard, if you guys don't watch Brockmire audience, uh, fucking watch it because every season is in a new location. And this latest one, this last one, I heard it was like 10 years in the future. I was like, I don't know about that. That sounds a little crazy, but it's it's working, man. I love it. Yeah, I, I mean, every couple of years, they're just, they're these shows that fly under the radar and get absolutely no love. And I think the, the last big, big one for me that was like a 30 minute sitcom was You're the Worst. I think You're the Worst in 10 years will be like, holy shit, revered by people because mm-hmm. it's going to influence so much other work. But the the most recent one really is Brockmire, which, which masquerades as this silly kind of like, foul mouthed show and it is and yet it's the deepest fucking like humanizing in a way that like i thought bojack could only hit those notes and and fuck me brockmeyer hits those same notes man yeah well i mean it started off as a funnier die bit where the whole bit was just that hank azaria wanted to do a a old timey baseball voice (laughs) and drink drink a lot of whiskey and then it turned into something else it turned into like this meditation on like america and addiction and all these other things but it's also really fucking funny um yeah it's great i love this dystopian america that uh is happening right now um there was this guy named bob shepherd bob shepherd was the uh the color commentator for the yankees like for the entirety of my childhood basically mm-hmm. uh and and from even from the 60s and he had that voice and like i grew up watching like old like the bronx is burning which is about the reggie jackson years of the yankees and that's all you would hear I, every time you hear a bat snap you would hear that old tammy voice going to second base and i was like, like as a kid that's always been my favorite thing in the world so like when you first hear that again it's it's it should be a one note bit that stops being funny. And yet Hank Azaria is both such an incredible actor. The writing is so on point. Uh, and you know what it really is? It's like the writing reminds me a lot of um, almost like, like Houdini stuff. Like I know it sounds a weird comparison. It's like, it, it's never, it's always moving forward. There's never this back trap thing. It never falls into a trap. It always escapes those pitfalls right at the last second. And it's like, when you started that, we thought we were going to see a story about an alcoholic who is going to keep falling off the wagon. And the truth is, this guy hasn't had a drink since the end of season two, and we're yeah. in its end game. you know? Like, right. He's just literally changed for the better. And still the same old Brockmire. By the way, uh, Cuomo sexual is trending on Twitter right now. Oh, fuck. I was so chaleo low-hanging fruit, and I didn't think about it. I don't know why I didn't think about it. <laughs> Like you're mad at yourself that you didn't come up with that Dude, first. Homosexual, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that bit's fucking uh, nuts. I talked about that on the double toasted thing, and that just blows my fucking mind. But maybe what, it doesn't. Like the, the, the nipple debate. What? what? There's a nipple. <laughs> Breaking news. Where's my burrito? Tell me the nipple debate. Uh, you you haven't heard about the nipple debate? Yeah. So uh, Cuomo, like uh, apparently, like in some of his shirts, like his nipples are very pronounced, and some people like put it on Twitter, and they're like, "Is it just me, or does Andrew Cuomo pierce his nipples?" And it turned into like this like weeks long debate where like they had like nipple piercing experts coming in, like it was a whole thing. There there was never any determined like yes or no. By the way, like people it def- defies to- the forensics. Yeah, and they couldn't do it. Split to this day. Governor Cuomo, Corona is running rampant, but I think the people must know before we begin this briefing: nipples pierced or nay? You know, like, and if he doesn't answer that, he's a shit governor and he'll never be president. That's all I'm saying. Like. <laughs> Uh, no no just for me it's like the people find him really attractive and people want to fuck him and they're calling him cuomo daddy and you know like whatever that like i it doesn't surprise me because i guess all women want in these super 
strange times is competent leadership and like stewardship and fortitude and yeah and now now that's like fetishized at this point because we've been so fucking lacking in it for right Cuomo's just being competent and we're like oh my god the white house is next it's like what (laughs) people said that about Fauci too like Fauci for president he's just a competent human on the public stage and people are like this guy could be president because at this point the bar is so low that anybody with no political experience who is semi-competent could be president and be a better one than the one we have now. I lost a friend because The Rock said he was going to run for president. And I'm like, he should. <laughs> like, because why not? You know, like, we're at that point now. So it's like, I think The Rock would do more good than Trump would. Right. Plus, he's a movie star. Like, foreign leaders feel like, yo, what yeah, don't they speak with The Rock? charisma, <laughs> yeah. you know? He's Plus, he kind of does a good Obama already, too. So people would be like, he's muscular Obama. Like, he's fine, you know? They become friends again. Him and Putin, they work out and shit. And, like, <laughs> they but they leave together. politics outside the gym door, okay? Because USA forever, and The Rock knows that. <laughs> no politic talk. <laughs> so anyway, drums. <laughs> he starts. That's his, his first thing. <laughs> he waits until he's this fucking bench pressing. <laughs> this is a fucking power move. Like, he's spotting The Rock. So anyway, drones. <laughs> I see you give me full access to the air. (laughs) Damn it, Vlad. You're breaking our first accord. (laughs) Uh, We get into a real cold war over that. Uh, That would be fucking hilarious. I'm sorry. I would love that. That'd be so funny if we got back into Not respecting the workout agreement. (laughs) (laughs) Well, just think about it because, like, why not? It's, like, pretty simple when you think about it, right? Uh the workout agreement is just two <laughs> alpha <laughs> two alpha bros <laughs> crushing a couple bros with some brews wait uh yeah. brews with some pros i mean brews with some bros <laughs> and uh they work it out they hash it out bro <laughs> right like <laughs> they do it in real time i mean putin is short as fuck right that's what always bothers me about him it's like he, why are we scared of him i mean i get it he kills people but yeah, I mean, like, you know, I guess you, I guess he does prove that you can, it doesn't matter how tall you are sometimes, it's just like your presence, you know, your chutzpah, right. your confidence uh, can, can, can take you a long way, you know. And he shares uh, Tom Cruise's guy, too, for low angles. I mean, that's why, like, everything looks fucking good. It's shot at 45 degrees, manipulated with smoke and mirrors and shit. Yeah. Like, that that guy know. is busy, man. That guy works between Tom Cruise <laughs> and putting in some time it's an old pro you know what i love about him discreet no one knows his name same guy though leaves a business card i love that there's only one guy that's capable of shooting somebody from a low angle (laughs) also danny trejo's guy you know what i mean like i saw machete (laughs) danny trejo is like four foot two what are we talking about and yet he looks towering in the machete series (laughs) devito looms over him (laughs) oh god man this has been old It's been a weird episode. (laughs) I mean, you know what I appreciate uh, is uh, that DeVito, like, just knows how beloved he is at this point. Like, that he's, like, this little troll man that everybody is super into. And he used that to, like, tell people to stay the fuck home because people like me, he said, will die if you don't. And they did the DeVito puppy eyes. (laughs) Everyone knew. (laughs) he does resemble a puppy that's all i'm gonna say uh Uh, yeah just that that part in always sunny where like dennis is like 
you're the ugliest man I've ever seen. You disgust me. You disgust everyone. <laughs> and he just cuts to DeVito and he just looks like he's going to fucking cry. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, he's amazing. I don't know. Like when I think of just truly heartbreaking things and this is going to sound silly, like it's from It's Always Sunny, which is when Mac does his dance routine and they cut back to him. And he's just like, I get it. I'm like, I get it. Fuck. Like, because he's almost crying. And I'm like, he can do this whenever he wants. He chooses to be DeVito, the the, the depraved one. Yeah, we've gotten years of DeVito eating trash and crawling naked out of trap, like fucking couches and shit. And we forget, man. We forget that he's a fucking powerhouse, man. Like, just the narration he did in Matilda is just, like, so fucking good, you know? I mean, fuck, Matilda's a lovely film, and he directed the fucking movie. I think we'd somehow forget that, too. But, yeah, then he narrates it. He brings it home to the station in case there's any doubt. You know what I mean? Fuck, he's so good. He's so good. He's he's one of the best we have, man. I think maybe goodness is only in stature, you know? Like, you get the shorter you are, the closer to the ground you are, you realize that you don't, you're gonna be, you're gonna be dead one day (laughs) just because proximity. Yeah, I think that's Which, what it is. The dude. taller you are, the more <laughs> invincible you feel. Is well, you should, yeah, you should hate it. You, like, that's the thing. I wish Putin was six foot ten because then it would make sense, mm. you know. But he's like five foot what six or something. Like, yeah, he really shoots a hole into that theory, huh? Well, there's one. There's always one that proves the rule. I mean, Randy Newman did sing that song about short people, and he's taken a very different approach than you. Said they don't got no reason to live. And got little, mm. little hands and beagle little eyes. Walk around telling great big lies. Wait, wait, wait. why didn't he get canceled? And I know he's like, it's, <laughs> art- it's artistic. I don't mean little people. I mean like small-minded people. Call it small-minded people, Randy. Like, I mean, <laughs> we're using that's not like rednecks, man. He didn't get canceled for rednecks. He's not going to get canceled for anything. Well, he I uses don't... Hard, the N word, hard R. Oh God, really? Fuck! Yeah, I don't remember yeah. that. No, 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 no. It's from the perspective of a redneck, and he's basically saying that, like, yeah, you call us racist, but like, you Northerners are racist too. You just hide it better. Yeah, but <laughs> that doesn't give you licenses, Randall. <laughs> like Randall. Yeah, he's Randall. Like, yeah, I mean, he like can't be called a Randy. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it, Randall. Like, I raised you better than that. Like, what are you doing, Randall? Oh, man. His score for uh, Marriage Story, though, so, so good. Makes it worth it. Not probably. as good as his score for Toy Story 4. It rhymed. That's the only reason I did it. I felt bad the minute I said it. You didn't even see that movie. I've never seen Toy Story. I haven't seen... Oh, no, I saw Toy Story 3. But, yeah, I haven't seen Toy Story 4. I saw it. And I never will. Okay, that's fair. All right, cool. You don't need to. It's It'd not essential. Fine. It's not, you know. I mean, that, that's the thing about Toy Story 4 is that, uh, and I think I said this on a previous podcast, but um, or maybe I didn't, uh, but uh, Toy Story 4 doesn't even make any attempt to be essential. Like, it doesn't make any attempt to reach the emotional highs of Toy Story 3. It kind of knows that, like, it, its place in the series is, like, at best, it can be a weird outlier. And that's what it is. It just leans into being really fucking weird, which I kind of appreciated. Right. Um, it's just sort of like a, a little goof, a little goof and spoof. They spend like half the movie in a weird antique store filled with these evil ventriloquist dummies. That sounds metal. Go yeah, on. Yeah, it kind of is. It kind of is. <laughs> <laughs> is. This is the Alien 3 of, of this franchise, basically. It's like. I mean, kind of, sort of, yeah. So, like, if you go into it not expecting it to like try to hit those emotional highs in Toy Story 3, 
you might walk away a little bit more favorably to it. Because when I first heard of that movie, I was like, no, fuck no, I'm never watching this. Right. And then one day I got bored and I was just like, whatever, <laughs> I don't have any fucking principles. <laughs> morals, none. Principles, fewer than morals. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, I think that's the Pixar problem right now. And I haven't seen Coco, but their movies just don't. Coco's feel, really pretty. Yeah. They just don't feel essential anymore. Even like they, they're usually across the board decent, but they're not like essential. Like they just had that fucking run, man where it was like Incredibles and Ratatouille and fucking Up and Inside Out, even like Wally. I just think we need to make it have dramatic consequence. I think Andy needs to come back as a ruthless Alzheimer's diseased riddled old man who somehow comes back to his toys and we're, we're really like leaning into this like first with kevin bacon he's a grizzled old man coming back to no no, no. mental illness is in play with andy and mostly by the way his mental illness is purely just because i want uh you know I you want... could actually make that really pretty man like it, i think you, you could know how, you know how they say like alzheimer's patients when they hear music like from their youth or whatever oh, yeah. it, like, brings them back for a second like he finds his toys or his toys like were sent to him or somehow he comes across them and he has dementia he's losing sense of who he is america is in ruins of course but like those toys bring him back to his childhood and suddenly he's a kid again okay so here's the thing man burbank so close we get with that that's where the studio is man like we can go there even in the corona times there's no lines we'll just pitch it we'll break it like listen 10 feet at all times but listen yeah, and my, my chat actually team. took me to pixar um oh, really I think that's in Anaheim. It's not in Burbank, is it? Um, I forget exactly where it is, but uh, we we rolled up to the security gate like, hey, you guys doing any tours? And the guy was just like, this is a closed campus. And then we had to turn around. Yeah, they don't. To be fair, we could have called ahead, but yeah. Yeah, I think only one of them does any animation tours. But uh, yeah, I don't know. That would be really pretty, man. I'd watch it. And that's my point. It's like that there is this really sense of finality with the third one. Where you're mm-hmm. like, ah, because we're still tied into that emotion of like what the yeah. journey was when we first started. So I think the it, what I'm saying is bring them back, bring them back old. And you don't have to call it Alzheimer's. Obviously, that's really dark, you know, but we could do like a up little vignette I mean, in the beginning. They're doing that movie Soul where like it's about being dead and shit. And that's what Coco is kind of about, too. Right. Like I say we bring darkness back to children's cinema, man. Just put it on scary. Front Street. Well, I mean, kids' movies used to be fucking scary, dude. Remember Roger Rabbit, Judge Doom and everything? Like, well, I will admit, like, him inflating himself in the third act of that movie is still the scariest fucking thing I've ever seen. Because yeah. <laughs> I immediately go back to, like, three-year-old Christian being like, what the fuck? Like, losing right. my shit. Yeah. Like, I, I miss, I wish kids' movies dared to be a little bit creepier, you know? I've been rewatching Adventure Time, and, like, to that show's credit, and Flapjack before it, uh they went to some dark fucking weird places where it's like how did this get on children's television yeah dude Penn ward's new uh show the netflix show it's called the midnight gospel just had a trailer it looks fucking great man it yeah? looks really good yeah because it's like they've kind of just gone away with the idea that it's a kid show at all like there's some nice. shit going down uh and it's duncan trussell and pendleton mm. ward and they created it together and i'm like i'm into it yeah nice. i like duncan trussell that guy like fucks around with a lot of people like yeah he's an interesting guy man he's definitely an interesting guy his voice can be grating but i think like all great people you know you gotta get past rogan loves him for some reason well he's a spiritualist he's always talking about like let your guard down and let me send in light like it's but but he's so (laughs) earnest about it everyone loves him i don't know like sending light 
That's what he yeah. does. I don't know. He also does other things, I guess. He's a good guy. I know he recorded his mom dying. That's like his claim to fame, sort of. I mean, it wasn't his claim to fame. He had been doing things before. He was did a podcast with Natasha Leggero. But um, he, like, his mom was dying, and he, like, recorded two episodes with it. And it was, like, at her deathbed, and they were just talking and having a conversation about life and death. And I'm like, exploitative? Maybe. Pretty? Like, very fucking pretty. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. man. That's, you know. Sorry to bring the house down. I'm just saying. (laughs) I'm just more annoyed that he was like, his mom's hooked up to shit and he had a whole mobile recording thing. (laughs) Yeah, well, and she doesn't really have like an exit strategy there. She's just like, well. (laughs) Hey, mom, can we do a podcast? I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I've got nowhere else to be. I'm dying in two days. I guess I'll spend my final hours talking about it. But yeah, I mean, still though, like that's, that's really pretty. I didn't know you did that. Yeah, I mean, he made sure his mom went to the one hospital in L.A. that actually had a microphone professional podcast set up in every bedroom. A recording booth. Yeah, well, like, where the Marins and the Kevin Smiths have to go. You know, you never know. You got to get a session in. They've already reserved their spot. Like, in the event of my inevitable death, like, I want to be in this hospital (laughs) with a recording booth. Uh, Marin and Smith. Those guys should team up. That'd be weird. That would be terrible. (laughs) Like, hey, I'm Fat Kev Smith, and everyone, blah, 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 blah. And he's just like, geez, Kev. Like, it's just going to be real fucking angry and passive aggressive. <laughs> Kev. See, that, that's actually amazing to me. I want that. <laughs> you like me doing both parts. You don't like that show. You were romanticizing this. <laughs> uh, well, you should. You should do both parts, man. You should do a biopic about Mark Marin and Kevin Smith and just play both characters. What, what, what we need to do is plan like both of their murders like we have to we have to go in we have to roll our sleeves up on this max okay mm-hmm. we can start writing the script now but what the climax of the film is going to be something that happens in real life we're writing a biopic before it happens all right Ooh. and so we need to find a way for their paths to intersect because we'll do this biopic as two different biopics happening simultaneously the rise okay mm-hmm. uh and then and then their paths will cross and there will be bloodshed and everyone fucking dies but we have to we have to engineer that man so thoughts ideas there's no wrong ideas i got a whiteboard it's blank give me something to put on it uh oh god this is you're really putting me on the spot i got no ideas i'm gonna be honest whoa okay it's sort of you telling me that i had no limitations gave me all the limitations (laughs) i mean i mean look we don't have to overthink this i think natural uh insurance fraud okay we get them to buy a restaurant together or like a buick dealership okay Mm, and we insure it like that that's a swerve right (laughs) buick dealership okay because they're trying to keep america great uh because it's always been great except for now (laughs) It's always been great except for now. Or like the whole slavery part. Yeah, just okay. I guess I forgot. <laughs> no other time in American history has it been bad. Okay, if you're gonna bring the slavery thing up, sure. It's been bad sometimes. Yeah, I'll, I'll play that card. It happened. <laughs> Uh, well, we've fall, I've fallen off a cliff here. I, I, I'm canceled now. I, I was like, yes, yeah, slavery, I guess, was fine because I omitted cancel it. Cancel Christian. Cancel me. And you're fired. So fuck you. Couldn't do anything to me. But yeah, I think we do this where they have to have their paths crossed. And then, you know, they, they own a Buick dealership together. And then 
their best friends until one of them wins like Buick dealership owner of the year, but they only make one name on the plaque. Right. So and they're like, both egotists. They need, yeah. they need to see their names. So this causes some friction, man. I'm into it. Let's, let's see that movie. <laughs> I pitched like, I got you to the fucking meeting of the goddess and you're just like, yeah, it's good. It's fine. It's fine. You and your meeting of the goddess. I brought you to the, to the conflict point, man. How the war starts. Don't hate me for being I smart. I, lo- I love it. I love for being smart. <laughs> uh i mean it's a movie that no one else but us would want to see but um i'm into it okay well i guess that's a rousing fucking endorsement jesus max (laughs) so i was thinking about this the other day like the only reason that i miss smoking because i used to be a pretty heavy smoker um the only reason i miss it is just for the excuse when you when you don't know what you're gonna say yet you can just take a dramatic like pause inhale drag on the cigarette look thoughtfully off into the distance and then like come up with something as you're doing that but look fucking cool while you're doing it yeah draper you're draping is what you mean (laughs) like Like, we all learned that from draper like everyone thinks that he always has a line no he is flying by the seat of his pants but he always has that extra second as his best friend fully panicking at all times of day but he has that cigarette there he's gonna die at age 48 okay his heart is three times bigger it works harder it labors more than you'll ever know but he always has a one-liner thanks to smoke for real though that dude like for the amount that he smokes and drinks like he's definitely dying early like we just Mm -hmm. don't see that ending which is good right he burns burns bright and burns out fast (laughs) you know uh yeah i mean like i i would love to see that show somehow recontextualize for today and just like same thing but with like a vape pen you know what I mean? Like, well, ap- apparently one of the pitched endings to that show uh, that they abandoned was that it would be Madison Avenue on September 11th. I'm real glad they didn't do that. Man, <laughs> I'll, I'll, listen, outside of how metal that fucking sounds, okay? I'm so glad they didn't do that. <laughs> Yeah, like that's that's a an idea so bad <laughs> that they shouldn't have even said that it was an option at any point or discussed. Matthew Weiner is like, you know, we had a lot of options, uh, the Coke right. one, the 9-11 one. I'm sorry, Matt, can we, uh, can we circle back to the 9-11, <laughs> the 9/11 one? <laughs> Don Draper is still alive. <laughs> like yeah. That dude is not living past 60, and yeah. that's generous. That's fucking nuts. He's 40 in 1960 or 71, right? Yeah. 71, yeah, okay. Yeah, he's not making it to September 11th. I'm sorry. That's 30 more years? No way. No fucking way. No way. Unless he's got like Fidel Castro gene. Wait, he's dead now, right? Fidel's long dead. <laughs> like, that was the, the, the thing growing up with Spanish family, which was just like, <laughs> I'm Castro, motherfucker. I'm going to outlive you. Like, it really was. Oh, yeah. Well, it was contentious, you know? <laughs> we, <laughs> we, threw, we threw bows in, in my house, as the kids say, as Luda says. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, I still don't know, and I, 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 I am sad to say this. I still don't know a ton about Castro or Che, for that matter. But I was thinking about watching that Soderbergh-Che movie. Oh, it's I fucking it wonderful. Amazing. Oh, my yeah. God, yeah. And the Spanish is fucking beautiful. Like, like yeah. Soderbergh went out of his way to make sure that the, the script shooting dialogue, even though he didn't write the film, uh, was in, like, native Colombian, like, which each region that they shot in, it was the right dialect. And I saw this thing about Benicio Del Toro, like, because he's Puerto Rican, which I've 
jokingly said all the time is the Alabama of Spanish. It's, it's terrible. Uh, but he really, I don't know, man, it's gorgeous. It really like, it's, it's the immersion, it's the location, it's Soderbergh being amazing, but it really mm-hmm. is like such gorgeous language, man. I can't wait for you to see that. Well, I've, I've heard people are like kind of critically reappraising it because when it came out, it was sort of, I don't know, it kind of flew under the radar for like a five hour epic about Che Guevara. Like it didn't really make a, a lot of waves, you know, it wasn't really nominated for anything. Like, was it? Well, no, because it was also like a completely foreign language film. You know what I mean? Uh, Which is nuts. Yeah. Like no one wanted to pick that tab but, up. And I think he raised the money mostly on his own to make that movie or he got a co-production with a Spanish company, which is yeah. why it's like that. But that's what I'm saying. Like we, we look back and we realize that like, look, the Oscars every now and then they'll get something right. I'm not saying they don't, but for the most part, it's about ad campaigns. It's about Don Draper taking a cigarette and figuring out the best pitch for this particular movie. And if it resonates with enough voters, then that's what gets voted. Uh, but yeah, that's, Soderbergh film was great because when it came out people were really shitty about it people were like he's a murderer right it's like well everyone's a fucking murderer like I hate to say it like that no but we all we all sanction it dude like we pay taxes our taxes go to fucking bombs like you know if the good place was real there's a reason that we couldn't ever get enough points to actually get there because like we're guilty by association you know we can pretend like that's not the case but we all know it is so at mm-hmm. that point <laughs> i think it's about like what is someone fighting against i find che Gravada interesting because i think it's someone who starts out with incredible intentions that realizes right. being an idealist is not how he'll achieve his vision which is fucked right. up you know you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become a yeah i'm sorry i didn't, <laughs> I didn't want to <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, no, it's just uh, the fucking Dark Knight quotes. Like, still, like that one, um, just always comes back to this day. And it's like, why are you choosing that one? I know it's applicable to most situations, but I, I want to hear no more dead cops. Mount is- the curb. No more no. dead cops is the pinnacle of cinema. <laughs> when the Lumiere brothers, they're like, you put the picture into another picture. That This is what they had in mind was a smash cut to a fucking unknown actor who had not been on screen at that point yelling, no more dead cops in the classic first take and let's move on fashion. Oh, like, that is not good. That is not good. Like there, there are so many moments in those movies with like side characters that just stick out like a fucking sore thumb that no yeah. one just puts in there. Like, just terrible line readings. He might be, like, that a degenerate gambler. Oh, that is not good. Yeah, he might be. <laughs> he's like, I, I owe this like, what, those are Those are the people he owes money to, and he's like, in exchange for absolving this debt, uh, you can say this line in the movie. You get a SAG card, you know what I mean? Like, you get a speaking role, you get a SAG card. You're part of the union, baby. And that's all they want, you know? Like, <laughs> Nolan, degenerate. <laughs> compromising your films you know he's always trying to get high and mighty about cinema cinema but he puts these fucking amateurs in his film I wear a three-piece suit to all of my film sets it's my director's trademark i put michael kane in everything do you think jonah and, and and chris have a beef because one jonah has an american accent weird and then yeah. uh nolan decidedly has the british accent and i've tried to do research on like where do these fuckers live and it doesn't seem like there was really a difference between them so i don't understand why jonah has the american accent but chris, like what if we find out chris nolan like totally american like he's been putting on airs for fucking decades man he's, he's like the R- rachel dolezal of british people that's offensive to british people it's a great and mighty empire 